Welcome to Nameless Debate Radio, where radioactivity is contagious. You can join us in broadening our minds on the Nameless Debates Discord via the link below and even feature here yourself, if you've got what it takes. Yeah. All right, you guys are good to go. Okay. Um, so what is it, like, like, what are some things about feminism that you disagree with? I suppose my biggest issue would be elements of feminism that are anti-science, things that uh, rely more on emotion than, than evidence. Okay. Um, like what, may I ask? Well, one example, now this is kind of fringe, but uh, the fat acceptance movement. Okay, yeah. That, um, yeah, that I will agree with. Like, I don't think, like, the whole fat acceptance thing, like, I don't think that people should be fat, but I also, but I think that we should be striving people to, you know, improve their life choices. But I also don't think that we should be ostracizing people from society simply because of their weight. And yeah, like, it really isn't that big of an issue compared to other things like race or acceptance of religion or sexual, you know, empowerment. But yeah, like, I still think it has somewhat of its place, even if the facts up movement itself is a bit stupid let's say but yeah um anything else uh i suppose very hyperbolic language regarding things in media over exaggerating how how bad things are when it comes to video games or movies okay um how so like do you have any examples um off the top of my head well are you are you familiar with a, a youtuber called anita sarkeesian uh yes i am yeah, she's uh, she was at one point in time more of a prominent figure, it seemed like, on YouTube, and she got some media yeah. coverage here and there. But she was infamous for taking clips from video games and films out of context, oversimplifying their message to try and paint this picture of this uh, you know, sexist media. When if you actually dug deeper into it, you'd realize that, oh, well, the actual context is not what she's portraying it to be at all. Well, I mean, like I know that she like used video games and clips and stuff from like other people. Um, I've never seen her taking things out of context. Like, are you refer- like are you referring to things like the? Um, like, I remember she did an episode on James Bond, I believe. Like, is that what you're referring to, or like is it the Overwatch if, if one? She ever covered James Bond? I I've never looked at that personally, but okay. a couple I, of I made a video, or, about- or I'm thinking, or I'm thinking of someone else. It could be. I'm not totally sure, though. Yeah. But uh, I made a video about her a while ago, and a couple things that I covered. Well, she. You ever heard of a game called Hitman Absolution? Uh yes. I yeah. Played it. Uh, yeah. It's part of the Hitman series, but uh, she tried to present it as though in this one part of the game, the game is uh, encouraging you to brutally murder these strippers in the back of a strip club. Oh, if that. You actually, look at the context of the game. You're actually rewarded for not killing them. You're encouraged to do. The opposite, which is to avoid them and, and try to sneak past them, and then you get rewarded for doing that. Whereas yeah. you actually lose points for trying to kill them. But Anita Sarkeesian didn't show that part, and she didn't show the fact that there are um, uh, different options for how to avoid them and everything. So that's yeah. one example of her taking things out of context. Okay, yeah, that I agree with. Um, what is your opinion on the Overwatch episode that she did? Um, I don't think I've watched it. I, I really don't keep up with it that much anymore. Okay, well, not, what, not why, but like, I only keep up with what she does, which is like controversial in a way. Like, I think the whole tropes versus women, like that series, it does have some good points in it, but I feel like the way that she gets to those points are flawed. All right. 
Well, yeah. uh, as far as Overwatch goes, like, what did she say in that video about um, the game that was critical of so it? So she mainly criticized the fact that when the game was first announced, and even a little bit as they were like, you know, introducing more characters and such, that um, they were promoting a "quote unquote" acceptable body type, which is sort of like slim um, emphasis on like certain body parts, like the breasts and the you know, like like butt and stuff, like basically really slender chicks with like tits and you know ass um one of the so, so, like, so to clarify they were trying to promote what kinds of figures they want the models of their characters to be like um or just diversifying what they do like all, having all like having all figures within a video game or just any like field of media having them all be like super hyper sexualized versions of you know what is different from reality um that can lead to some sexist lines of thinking like oh well women who aren't as you know like fat like who aren't as skinny as this maybe they're just fatter even when they're actually the average body type or women who don't have huge tits aren't you know, like you know like they aren't as sexy or things like that right I suppose so, but at the yeah. same time, I mean, keep in mind yeah. this is a video game. It is a work yeah. of fiction. Well, this that, is a game where you run around uh, in like fictional space areas and you carry around like rocket launchers and shit. So, yeah. I mean, if you can have that well, kind of fantasy fiction, in your game, well, well, the fi- well, the whole thing is fiction still influences the ways that we think, right? Like the way that we present things in media, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, does influence the way that we think as a society and as human beings. Would you agree with that, or? Uh, to a degree, I guess it depends on how you're presenting it. So, for example, if you have a work of fiction, but there's like a very clear political message behind that fiction, then sure, that can be influential. No. On the other hand, I think that there are certain kinds of media where, you know, I don't think there's any real deep message being put forward. It's meant to be entertaining. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with that. But the main point, like the main thing with that is like a lot of what people like me who aren't radical people, but more intersectional is more trying to change. Okay. Sorry about that, Achilles. Um, But yeah, like the main thing is, it's like, have you heard of the gender role idea? Like the enforced one? Enforced gender roles? Uh, Yeah. Like gender roles that are more perpetuated by society. Maybe, but uh, could you, could you clarify? Um, have you heard of any like feminists? Like, doesn't matter whether they're liberal or intersectional or anything like that. But have you heard of any of them mention patriarchy? Yeah, patriarchy is a pretty common term I hear in the feminist movement. Yeah, and so one of the things that media can do, if we constantly promote certain images or certain behaviors, is they can influence the like gender roles that you know just society casually thinks about things as you know men are supposed to be more masculine and women are supposed to be more feminine and not allowing for certain like you know exceptions to the rules mm-hmm. right um for instance in enforced gender roles can like back in the day would be seen as things like men are supposed to marry women and women are supposed to marry men and that exceptions to that rule like men marrying women or women marrying men or even people just not marrying at all would be considered by society to be wrong because of the gender roles that were like it wasn't even enforced so more just perpetuated by that society okay yeah 
So, like, what's your take on that, may I ask? Well, I do think that people should have the freedom to decide, you know, what kind of gender roles they want to follow. I think that if a man wants to stay at home and cook and clean and take care of the kids, they can do that. And if a woman wants to go out and work and do hard labor, then she should be able to as well. At the same time, I don't think that it is the obligation of video game companies to be the ones pushing that message. I think that it's a work of fantasy and their bottom line is to make a work of art that people will be interested in playing. And the demand right now is for sexual female characters and people want that. So they're going to make that product. Okay. But don't you think the artists should be able to have like creative freedom to try and put in the messages that they want so long as they don't hurt the final product. Yeah. If they want to, if yeah. uh, if the company wants to make that product, then they should be able to, but is anybody stopping them from doing that? Um, no, and nobody should be stopping them from doing that. I think they should be, like criticize if they can if they constantly do certain things, but aside from that, like really, there's no issue with it. All right. So if they want to, you know, have female characters in their game that are sexualized and abide by normal gender roles, you know, like traditional gender roles, then is that an issue with you? Um, no. I can say that I'd want like you know maybe a diversity of thought, but really, other than that, there's no problem with it. Okay. I, I'm not sure where we're going with this then. So it seems like you agree that Overwatch, for example, should be able to have whatever kind of character design they want. So I'm not well, sure where to well, go. The main thing, well, the main thing is like what Anita and other people like persist about the like patriarchal idea of gender roles is that like it's something passive by society that is constantly pushed out, like ideal body images. So, for instance, if all women in Overwatch were having the exact same build as Tracer, Widowmaker, Brigitte, um, Sombra, and things like that, or or Symmetra especially, like basically the launch characters and also a couple of characters that came after the fact, then that would sort of be pushing the like passive thought that you know, like it's ideal, it's ideal um, like body types. And by not adding ones like Zarya or, um, I don't want to use Arissa because she's a robot, um, May, by you know making it so that you know there's different, you know, like there's different. No, no, granted, uh, I mean, out there. I'm not very knowledgeable in Overwatch. No, I don't play it personally, but uh, oh yeah, I mean, but the character May is a little more heavy set from what I've seen. And isn't there yeah. like a really butch like uh, character in the game too? Uh, that's Arya. Yeah, Arya. So, I mean, there is a bit of diversity of, of female yeah. build in the in the yeah. game, but I will admit, for the most part, they have like a very typical slender form going on. Yeah. But it, it does seem like most people would prefer to play a character like that. Otherwise, I don't think they'd make so many with that kind of design. Well, yeah, and that's that's kind of one of the problems, at least if you ask people like me. Um, because if we don't try and challenge certain thoughts that have been put forward by tradition, how are we going to change our society for the better, right? Well, I, I do agree that tradition isn't inherently uh, a good thing. At the same time, I wouldn't say it's inherently a bad thing. So what is wrong with the tradition of valuing people that have a more physically fit figure? Um, the problem would be when you start ostracizing others for not having that physical character. Well, how is Overwatch doing that then? I don't think that the the game they is aren't. Like trying no, to. No, they. Oh no, they aren't. But what the point that Anita was bringing up was that you know if Blizzard keeps 
and Blizzard and other companies start to push forward different ideas and diversity of thought, then that will lead to, you know, betterment of society. Like she brought up at the end of the video, um, she brought up near the end of the video that, you know, adding characters like May or Zarya or the upcoming Anna, because Anna is a much, much older woman. Um, mm-hmm. By adding that diversity of thought, it sort of challenges the ideas that are subconsciously, subconsciously, you know, propositioned by our minds. I, I suppose yeah. so. Yeah, I suppose that if you have a diversity of characters in any kind of media, it can begin to challenge people's perceptions of what is normal or, or good or bad. It just seems like a weird to pick Overwatch of all things, because from what I've seen, they do tend to have like a multiracial cast of characters in a variety of designs so i'm not sure why she would pick that specific game of all games to go through to well, because uh, to criticize well, because, i'm sorry for interrupting and stuff there but um because earlier on in overwatch there weren't there wasn't that diversity of thought towards making the characters um the characters that were revealed at launch were widowmaker symmetra and tracer and all of them were super slim like somewhat huge titted except for tracer but it's kind of hard to tell with the you know device she has and especially Widowmaker. Like, all of them did have very, very sexualized parts of their bodies. And with characters like Widowmaker, like, you know, that's sort of the theme that her character has. But by only having that subsect of body type, wouldn't that affect, wouldn't that, you know, affect some people's preconceived notions? For instance, she brought up, um, she did bring up League of Legends for an example of that. Mm-hmm. She brought up how League of Legends has characters like Nami and uh, Evelyn, except that back then Evelyn wasn't like this sexy t- seductress. Yeah, I'm sorry, but... I, I'm drawing a blank. I don't know many of these characters' names. I don't oh, play. oh, oh, <laughs> okay. Legends. Um, oh, right, you didn't watch the video. Oh, shoot. No. Sorry. Okay. I mean, if I knew we were going to talk about this specific uh, video of hers for oh. so long, I would have uh, prepped. Okay. Um, was there... Oh, oh, yeah. Well, um, is there a different topic that you want to talk about, or? I really don't know. Okay. Um, what about gender theory? May I ask? What's your opinion on that? Uh, could you elaborate? Like, what, what is like the idea? Theory? Like the idea that you know, like a person's gender is different from their sex. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I do think that there are some people who just you know, despite being uh, male, they have male body parts. Uh, they can still have more you no know, feminine behavior. Okay. This and what about example? So yeah, I don't. I do think that gender. And sex are, are two separate things. Okay. Um, what about uh, I, one thing I will say is that I don't think that we should be giving female hormones to five-year-old boys, though. Oh yeah, like that. Um, just from a medical level, yeah, like kids should not have capacity, like legal capacity. I mean, to um, accept that. Yeah, I don't think that parents uh, should be pushing it on their kids either. I don't think that they're developed enough to make that kind of decision for uh, their life, and they should wait until they're maybe, I guess, at least 18 or so to make that decision when they have a better idea of who they are and their identity. Well, my question on that would be, what about just allowing like hormone blockers at the age of like 12 or 13 just because if the kid is showing signs of that, of you know gender dysphoria or just gender confusion, should they be allowed to just have blockers where it doesn't really affect their bodies? I suppose it depends on whether or not the effects of those hormone blockers, if they change their mind on going through with it, is it reversible? Um, Hormone blockers are reversible. So let's say, for example, 
a 12 year old boy they have not gone through puberty yet they haven't uh developed broader shoulders their their penis hasn't like gotten bigger through you know hormones yet if they go on hormone blockers for five years and then go off of it after five years will they go through normal puberty or will there any be any lasting negative effects that go along with it? they just go through normal puberty unless i like i'm 99 sure that's how it works i have well, not found uh, any research that assuming... leads to that conclusion Assuming that is true, I think I'd have less of an issue with it. But yeah, if there is any sign of, of of permanent damage that would come along with taking the hormone blockers, then yeah, I'd have some serious ethical issues yeah. with that. Well, I mean, like we have, I believe, two or three decades now of people actually using and taking these. So I feel like we have a general consensus, especially since people are now in their 40s who are transgender. I feel like we do have like a general consensus of, okay, these are safe. Right? But the reason that we don't like change people's like sex uh, based on like thoughts they have as a kid is because the teenage mind is very volatile. That's why in many countries like the United Kingdom and Canada and the United States, which some exceptions here and there, um, they do make it so that you have to be 18. Although they do offer hormone blockers very early on in your life, just because like with a child, like their minds are so susceptible to change that really having something permanent like a sex change can be detrimental in a sense. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, performing some kind of uh, penile surgery on a, on a 10 year old boy or whatever, and then changing it into a vagina. I mean, there's not really a way to come back from that, at least not a, a very uh, proper way of going about that. So yeah. uh, go, uh, avoid surgery until you're an adult. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your thought on the like wage gap, may I ask? On the wage gap, I think that it's possible there is a gap. With that being said, though, I don't think the gap is as big as people make it out to be. And I, I'm not totally convinced that it's due to discrimination if there is a gap at all. Okay. Um, do you think that the gap was caused because of the fact that the United States and Canada did not have laws protecting, making it so that women could have like or forcing uh, employers to pay women the exact amount as men until the early 2000s or at least in Canada until 1999. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I don't actively talk about the, the wage gap, so I can't answer those questions. But uh, I mean, to my knowledge, we now do have laws in place that prevent discrimination like that from occurring. So uh, I think that this gap should be going away because of those laws being in place. Because, I mean, if you're caught uh, doing that, then you will get in trouble with the law <laughs> if you are discriminating against people. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, uh, assuming for a moment that it is true that women are paid like 75% or whatever what a man makes, then wouldn't it be in the best interest of a company, which is in the interest of making a profit, to simply hire all women? Uh, yes, I agree with that. But, but it can also come from a superiority complex. Like, for instance, if somebody is a... Like, let's say the head of a company is super racist. Even if you're legally allowed to pay blacks less than whites, do you think that super racist person is going to want to hire blacks? Or are they still going to are they still wanting to pay white guys, even though it will cost them more, in order to do the same job because he thinks that racially whites are superior to blacks? I'm not totally sure, but you'd have to provide evidence that these uh, these current business owners uh, are actually sexist. <laughs> Uh, yes, and yes, that's true. Um, modern day, we don't really have any of that. Um, the earliest I could, 
that I could go to that, at least in the United States, would be during the civil rights movement and, you know, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 guaranteeing employment and um, anti-discrimination rights for women and people of color. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd have to go back there because modern day, like, you can't get away with this stuff anymore, period. That reminds me, by the way, I know that there was, um, this is kind of off topic from feminism, but are you familiar with a study that came out, I think, a decade or so ago, which uh, supposedly showed that there's a hiring bias where people with names like Jamal, for example, um, they get hired less than people with uh, white names? Um, yes, I'm, yes, I'm aware with that. And also, it, that lies under intersectional. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, well, but, here's but yes, an article I'm, from. So, do you agree that's still a, a an occurring thing, or do you think that it's now gone away? Um, I don't think it's a, it's as big as it was in the past, but I do think it still occurs no matter what, especially in the United States. No matter what, what do you mean by that? Like, as in, there'll still be people who try to go around the law and try to have a hiring bias against people of certain races and such in the modern day. I suppose it's possible uh, to some degree or another. I think that you cannot get rid of uh, sexism or racism entirely. It's going to be there to some degree or another. But uh, there's an article I saw a while ago from the Chicago Tribune, and they they mentioned a study in here, and it was talking about how they did a new study a co- like a couple of years ago, and it showed that that bias seems to have dissipated at this point. Uh, yes, and that's because... Um... Uh, yes, this. So that is because we've had laws in place, and that's because we've had this huge push by our society in order to try and end this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I know it's a little off topic, but it seems like that problem is now oh, no. gone away. Oh no, like that's not off topic at all, I'd say. But, um, and, and the problem hasn't gone away, but I would say it's minimalized to the most reasonable um, standard. It's sort of like the whole thing with uh, hate speech laws. You can only you can use them to end certain types of discrimination, but there are limits to has to how far you can go. Mm-hmm. And with the whole hiring and with the hiring bias studies that have been done, you know, in the past, over time we show that you know not only as laws evolve, but as society changes, these behaviors do start to get a little more ostracized. But I will say this right now, because of the way that the U.S. law system works and a lot of things like that, um, it I would say that the United States is a is a safe haven for racists. Like I'm going to put that out right now. Like just for safe people haven. who are racist and sexist, I think that the United States is a haven for them. In what way? Um, okay, for instance, let's use Richard Spencer as an example. Um, before he got punched in the face on Inauguration Day, he would constantly try and advocate for the mass deportation of people who are non-white from the United States. That is advocating for violence against a group. 